Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Well, hey, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to our office. Yeah. Glad to have you here. I'm sorry I brought the rain. I brought I all know, the rain from Seattle down to San Francisco. Well, we need the rain, I guess, so we'll take it. <laughs> that, that is true. Yeah, my Airbnb host was very detailed. I've never seen someone so detailed in how to use the water in the house. I appreciate his conservative efforts, but it was very really? shocking to me. Yeah. Really? Yes. He was very point to note that the hot water is nearly instant, so you do not need to run the water to warm it up. So. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> okay, that, that's a little extreme. <laughs> well, let's get started with the basics. I'd love for you to uh, share with everyone who you are and what you do. So my name is Lisa Fetner, and I am the VP of Marketing and Industry at Referral Exchange. And Referral Exchange is kind of an agent-to-agent referral service and lead management And we really just want to make great real estate experiences between agents and clients and partners. Okay. Obviously, I've got a bunch of questions here, but starting with the most basic though, what is, when when you guys work in, you know, creating this referral network, what do you see as the big problem that you're attempting to solve? We now live in a global marketplace. I think when I was younger, I always tell the story about how I had a little bank account at the mall. That was my first savings account at the mall. And when I went away to college, I had to close that savings account because I never would have thought about bringing that account with me. And nowadays, you wouldn't think about closing a bank account and not bringing it with you wherever you went. And I think the real estate industry has changed. Mm. And people expect their agents to be local experts, but also have access to other local experts all Mm. over the country. So as an agent, you not only have to be your subject matter expert for your market, but you also need to be able to help any friends, family members, colleagues, anyone in your sphere of influence who needs to find a real estate agent Mm -hmm. somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So the challenge then becomes, how do you find a good real estate agent in another part of the country who's really going to fit your client's specific needs? And that's a challenge that we help with. The other side of the business is that people can use the internet to try and find agents. So if you think about it, the average person might be going to the internet to find the top agent in one market and other agents in the next door town. And what you can often have is the same person filling out information requests on multiple websites which then gets sold to multiple agents and no one's ever qualified or checked to see exactly what this person is all about. Are they interested in buying a home? Are they interested in getting a comp for their home? What's their history? What's their story? And you potentially have a not so good lead being sent out to 10 or 12 agents. Mm -hmm. I read a story once about a client who listed their house as a for sale by owner and got 90 calls from different agents who had all through various sources Mm -hmm. found out about them as a for sale by owner. So as an agent, how do you manage this fire hose of leads and how do you manage it so that you can find the real leads 
so that you can focus your efforts and time in the best way possible. So it's really crafting a great experience for the agents Mm -hmm. and finding the right agents for their clients, but also finding the right clients and the real clients for Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. I mean, well, I shared with you prior to the show, my experience. Right. Right. uh, When I went to buy a house and, you know, working with six different agents and I'm pretty sure my landlord doesn't listen to this show, but (laughs) my landlord was one of those agents. (laughs) So, you know, Hey, stuff happens, small world, you know, but it's okay. So I'm curious. So, and we'll touch on this a little bit here at the top and then we'll get a little bit further into referral exchange. How did you end up at referral exchange and why did you, you know, why have you stuck around here? Like, what is it that drew you into this business? So I've always loved real estate. My first job out of college was actually working on the Century 21 advertising account mm-hmm. way back when when they wore gold coats. Mm-hmm. So shows you how old I am. And they weren't I've owned by Realogy. They, were, they still work, the agents still wore their gold coats and they weren't owned by Realogy. Okay. So that was really my first story into the real estate industry. And working with the agents, I handled all the field and local marketing efforts for them. And it was really fun to learn about the real estate business. And then I ended up moving to Northern California from Southern California and ended up going into mortgage marketing. So my experience has primarily been in real estate and real estate financial services and then just financial services in general. So when I heard about the job here, I thought, oh, this is really fun. I worked in technology, I've done mortgage marketing, and now here's a chance to get back into real estate. But it's really been a combination of all my marketing skill sets on the financial services side, on the real estate side, on the technology side. Yeah, and I'm sure that plays in a role. I mean, you can tap into those experiences. You know what the agents on the ground level what their pain points right, are, what right. they're looking for, what the actual experience is, and then even how that relates to the mortgage industry and where the buyer cycle is of, you know, whether they're in lending first or they're talking to the realtor first and that kind of thing. Very cool. So walk me through here the basics though. We've talked to the very service level, what the service right, is right. and the problem you're solving. How does it actually work? So if an agent wants to join referral exchange, how does it work for them? Okay, so when an agent joins the referral exchange, they have a couple of different options of what they want to do. So they join the service and they can either use it for their personal referrals. So they have a client who's moving cross country. They have a friend or family member who needs an agent. Maybe they don't want to help that friend or family member for a variety of reasons. We have agents who don't like working with their friends or family members. So they just prefer out all their business. They want to <laughs> keep peace in the family. And, and we all know how stressful it is to buy or sell a home. And so for the personal referrals, you can go ahead and submit a referral into the system. We will match it with the best two to four agents who fit their specific needs. The agent can be as involved in the process or uninvolved as they want to be. They can mm. just stick it in and forget about it. And we will notify you at every point in the process. Or you can be really involved and handhold the client and and work with the agents directly. So it's really up to you. Mm -hmm. So we solve that problem. I'm being that, I'm finding that local expert for anyone who needs it. Then we also help you manage that fire hose of leads that you're getting from third-party sources. So what you can do is you put it into the service. What we will first do is clean those leads and scrub them. We'll let you know which ones are real. Which ones have real phone numbers? Do the phone numbers and the emails match? Mm-hmm. And we'll let you know 
which ones are good for you to work or not. At that point, you really have a choice. You can either take those referrals back and work them yourself, or you can have us do it for you. And what we'll do is we will contact those referrals and then we'll life transfer them back to you mm. when we get a hold of them. And then you have the option to either keep them or you can refer it out to our network if it's not the right fit. Does anyone just work the referral game? Like, do you see that there's some agents who maybe they just want to generate the leads or they have this mag- magical pull about them where, you know, just they constantly, you know, they just get the dream clients like, hey, you know anyone who would help me buy this house? And, oh, yeah, I'm an agent. You know, let me get you. But does anyone, is that possible that you could just work it as referral only and call it good? Or is this really agents are using this to really round out their business? I think most people are using it to supplement and round out and grow their business. However, we've seen a number of agents who have really significantly, I mean, it's not just rounding out, it's really ramping up and and using the referral business to take themselves to a whole nother level because they really changed how they do business. So we have one agent in San Antonio now, and, and I showed you her account earlier. Now, granted, San Antonio tends to be a pretty mobile city. People are moving in and out of it all the time. Sure. But her clients know and her friends know and her friends of friends know that she's part of a network and she can help anyone find an agent. So she's been really good about communicating that message Mm -hmm. to anyone she knows. And she's also really good about asking for both sides of the business when someone comes through the door. So if they're moving to San Antonio, she will help them find an agent to list their house wherever they're moving from. Or if they're moving out of San Antonio, then she'll help them find an agent to buy another house. Yeah. wherever they're moving to. So we were laughing about if you just do the basics, yeah. you can be a really great real estate agent. And I know uh-huh. that that you just wrote about that the other day, but that's really the case. It's taking those basic tenets of yeah. how to service and support your clients mm-hmm. and take good care of your clients and use it by, by being a referral expert and a referral source. Yeah. We also see agents who are starting to think about retirement and maybe... Five years ago, they would have driven an hour mm-hmm. to take care of a property. And they're just not going to do it anymore. So they'll refer it out and they'll take the referral fee. Well, yeah, I mean, because they've got to drive out there a few times or I've got to go out. I mean, that just that starts adding up. And, you know, of course, give it to someone who's looking for a deal this month, really needs a deal. They're exactly. going to an hour drive deal done. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think the other way that we're using it is I think agents are starting to realize that their contribution to the real estate industry nowadays is being the subject matter expert and taking care of their clients. And automation can really help Mm -hmm. with a lot of the other stuff. But the one thing that automation can't do is be that local expert, is really understand what the market's like, really understand the history of the house. When we bought our house nine years ago, we were looking at different properties and our agent took us to one house and she said, you know, this house has been flipped four times in the last six years. What's going on with this house? Is it just a flipper house? It has a stop sign by the street. You can't really get that sixth sense or secret sauce Mm -hmm. from from a Zillow page. So what I think we make it possible to do is let the agents focus Uh on really where they can make the biggest contribution. If we can help them manage their leads 
and give them back those leads that are ready to transact and are ready for them to work. Or we can help them find, easily find a great agent for their clients. Then we enable them to focus on what they do best. And that's important. Yeah, I mean, you touch on a few things that are really important. I mean, obviously, number one, you know, the test drive, so to speak, when you go walk a property. I mean, you're talking about you're spending how little time in that house. Right. In uh, you know, just a micro segment of scenarios. Mm-hmm. You don't know how loud it is when school gets out. You don't know if the neighbor is terrible and mm-hmm. it's going to start throwing trash in your yard. I mean, like there's all just kinds of crazy things that can happen, of course. I mean, that is the beauty of real estate. You never know what's going to happen or what, right. You'll, right. what you'll come across. And so you, you're right. If you have someone who's truly a local expert, they can say, hey, look, this is what the house used to look like. And here's what it looks like now. Right. Or, you know, this is the history of this neighborhood or, you know, fill in the blank. And I think that that, that is something that doesn't show up on a listing. Right. It's not in the description. You rarely will see someone say, hey, don't buy this house. And here's the reasons why. Mm-hmm. I think there was something that went viral that was like that. Oh, that's so funny. Not that long ago, but I, I can't remember what it was. But, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, you know, enabling the agent to really provide exceptional service mm-hmm. is, the, is the value prop that I think, you know, leading agents now see, hey, we can, we can automate sending the client listings. Well, I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, there's a million one apps for them to go out and right, choose. Right. If you're going to provide that too, awesome. Cause they're going to get the info anyway. Right. So, you know, leverage that so that you can provide greater service. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's a, a high value proposition. I believe you, from the site, I pulled this directly from your site, actually. And I, I thought this was kind of an interesting quote. And then I want to talk about it because I think this also relates to, you know, agents leveraging your platform to, to be better agents. So it says, focus on building relationships and growing your business. Referral exchange has three times the closing average compared to industry standards. So let's unpack that a little bit. Focus on building relationships and growing your business. You know, we kind of just talking about that. Um, but then the three-time closing average. So can you talk about the, the average close rates of some of the referral leads that come through referral exchange? And I, I think you mentioned that there's two different real types of right, referrals right. that come through. And what should agents expect if, if they're, you know, using your service to see a right. close rate? Right. So for the personal referrals, not someone who actually knows who you are, who recognizes your name. Either you're helping them sell their property or you helped them sell their property at one point, you've been speaking with them and that you just find out that you're just not the right fit. Those have a pretty high closing rate. Those have anywhere from a 60 to 80% closing rate, depending on the situation. We've had deals that have, that have closed in a week and a half from the time they came onto the site to when it was closed. So it really just depends, but those close at a much higher rate. And then for the raw leads or third-party leads, those do close at a much lower rate. But what we can do is help you identify which ones are the best prospects for you Mm. before you expend a lot of work. So you're working to proactively make sure that not only agents are getting the leads, but that leads that do come in that are are looking for someone to service them. You're you're trying to make sure that, hey, we get you the right agent. That is so. And you mentioned like, you know, whether the notes on the referral may be first time buyer. Right. Or it could be first time seller, you know, and those are the first, especially first clients. You oftentimes just don't even know what you don't know. Right. Despite what you may think you know. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know the questions to ask because you just don't know. It's really think like eHarmony or Match.com of agent client dealing. 
it's it's often how I will describe it. You don't want to give an agent. That's how we should line up people. We should do speed dating for speed dating first for time agents. buyers and agents. Exactly. I mean, you don't want to give a first time buyer to an agent who specializes in listing properties for move up buyers. You know, if they're if it's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar first time buyer, you don't want to give them an agent that specializes in eight hundred thousand dollar listings. Because Even if they're the top agent in their market, yeah. that's not going to be the right agent for that client. Yeah. So it's really finding the best three agents within a specific neighborhood, price point, specialty. We use about thirty five different algorithms. We use neural networks. We use game theory. Yeah. So this to make is, that matching easy. This is not just a Facebook group behind a website no, no. where people are passing names and, and numbers back and forth. You guys are actually, you know, because I'm in your office here and I see there's far too many desks <laughs> if that's the way it's working right, here. Right. You guys have quite a few on your dev team here to be able to pull off what, what you're building to, to match up referrals with agents in a, an intelligent way that should overall improve the experience. Exactly, exactly. But we're also a people company too. I mean, I think the way we describe ourselves is that we are a people company supported by technology, mm. that the technology makes it possible. We connected nearly 250,000 agents and clients together last year. So the technology made it possible for 160 people to do that. And we have a service team, they're based in Sacramento, they're all licensed agents, we want them to be able to be articulate about issues in the real estate business, we want them to understand who they're speaking to and what they're saying, so everyone who speaks to agents or clients is a licensed agent. But what the technology does is it makes it possible for us to make those good connections, but also service them at the same time. And what's interesting is that we started on the consumer direct side. And so consumers would come in from our website, we would clean the leads that came in, then we would contact the clients, and then we would match them to agents. So this whole lead gen management piece of it, which I talked about, which is actually really new, we just launched it in January. Mm. What we are doing is taking what we've done for the last 14 years, and now we're making it available to the agents as well. So in addition to the matching piece of it, we also now are taking a lot of our processes to make it possible for the agents to be more efficient, effective, not waste their time trying to figure out if a phone number is real, if an email is real, if this person well, is a real person. There's never fake emails and phone numbers. Coming I know, I know. Everyone's, <laughs> although if you speak with, who was I speaking with? I was speaking with an agent at Inman and he actually had an I love, no, Mickey Mouse at hotmail.com that was actually a real person. However. No way. Yes. And he actually sold them a property. But I mean, I, most I Mickey Mouse's at hotmail.com are not real people. So, <laughs> but what our technology would do is if we had a Mickey Mouse at Hotmail and we had a name, yeah. we would be able to tell you whether that was a real email address and there wow. was a real phone number associated with that. So Mickey Mouse at Hotmail probably wouldn't be real, but if it was real, we would tell you. Do you have some data partners that you're working with to be able to get that? Or is that stuff that you've built in-house? It's really stuff that we've built in-house. Okay. 
So you're not held subject to another third party if they decide to shut down their API or, you know, lock you out of access. You guys have built your own system around it. We've built our own system and service around it. Our chief data scientist has two PhDs from Cambridge and Stanford. So he's pretty smart. And you guys have been doing this business for a few years. So you also have some benchmarks to work off. When did you guys start up? So we've been in business for 14 years. And the agent to agent piece was launched about five and a half years ago. So we know it works and we've improved it over the years to make it work and make it scalable. Mm -hmm. And now it's exciting because then we can give that service back to the agent. So we just started. We have been live transferring clients back to agents. So I think we've done about 30 of those at this point. And that's really exciting. And, you know, these were just leads that came in from third party sources. We cleaned them. The agent asked us to qualify them. And now we've live transferred back to them. How cool. You can get a lead come in, it gets qualified. And then it's like, oh, okay, so you're ready to go. Let's let's go look at some homes or, you know, we're ready. You know, I mean, that just, the amount of time, you could dramatically increase deal flow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one thing that I think is interesting about agents is I don't think they assign a value, an hourly value Mm -hmm. to their time or themselves. Because it's not charged that way. It's not charged that way. But when you're looking at your different third-party lead sources, as an agent, you're a subject matter expert. You know more about this business than the clients that you're helping Mm -hmm. in most cases, except for you who was an agent when you started working (laughs) with to buy a home. But the majority of clients aren't the experts in the business. They look at at you as the expert. And if you think about a doctor or an attorney, how much do they charge an hour? A whole lot. Their expertise. So I think what's interesting about the new management is that we also make it possible for you to look at your third-party sources and say, okay, I got 100 leads from them. Mm-hmm. How many were clean? How many were live transferred back? And your ROI is going to be much higher because you're not spending as much time yeah. going through them or having your ISA go through them. We can do all that work for you. So I was reading one of your older reports that you guys put together and you'd surveyed something like 1,800 agents Mm -hmm. and it said something along the lines, I think it was like 27% of agents do not know. They're not able to track their their lead close percentage. They wouldn't know how many leads it takes to genuinely get to a close transaction. Right. That is, it seems like too high a number. And these, these are the agents that you surveyed. So I, I'm presuming that these were active agents. agents. These were not, you know, the ghost agents that are making the headlines these days. These were active agents doing, you know, what, $5 million a year or more, 20 transactions right. or more, right. it, it, you know. And so why is that? Why is it, Why are people not aware of how many leads it takes to get to a, a close transaction? And are you guys working with agents to help them get better at that? I think it's more a matter of time and available time and how much time you actually have in the day. Mm. If you're a busy agent, you're taking in referrals, you're taking in data from a variety of sources, and you're just not thinking about it. And it's not super hard to do the math and track it, but it takes time and you have to have systems in place. And I think a lot of agents just simply don't have those systems in place. The other thing for agents is that the most important thing when they're sending out a referral or they're passing on a lead or a prospect is their reputation and the satisfaction of their client. And sometimes they're, that's more important than even tracking or getting paid mm. on a deal. So 
if you're spending your time worrying about your client, you're not going to be as focused on how well this, this process right. worked for me. So we just make it very easy mm-hmm. for them to see that and, and track it and, and manage it because they're not spending all the downtime yep. doing all that initial upfront work. Yeah, They can just look at it at the end of the day and say, okay, I got a hundred leads, 50 were great. 10 were live transferred back to me and eight contracted. You know, that's, that's a, that's a great 8%. Sorry. I, 8% of leads all day. All I don't, day. You know, let's do or this. conversely, you could get a hundred leads and only have 10 of them be real and yeah. only get one live transfer and not get any business. So, yeah. so even though you're getting a lot of leads, if they're not good leads, it doesn't make sense. I, I think it's really interesting what happened with Zillow. Mm-hmm. And their live transfer program, they had agents who were upset they weren't getting the same number of leads. And but Zillow was qualifying and live transferring them. Right. But these people still just wanted the, the leads. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to have that volume. Mm. I would rather have fewer leads that are going to transact and save the time to provide. Yeah. There's a certain paranoia that, that could certainly creep in that you're like, this phone's not ringing. I don't have anyone new to call. What am I going to do? I mean, then, but I think that you, you touched on it. It's like the systems. If you, if you know your numbers yeah. and if you're using something, it sounds like, you know, like for a change where this is supplementing your business. Right. You know, it's one of the few channels that you're going to leverage, you know, whether you highly leverage your sphere or whether you open house it, whether you door knock or, you know, the smile and dial, which is where I got my chops, you know, you know, that's, that's all part of, it's part of the business. It's not just that, right. okay, referrals is going to be my only source of business. This can really, you know, get you from the point of, well, I was driving a Honda three years ago and now we've upgraded a little bit to, you know, I don't know, Porsche or whatever. I don't know what the cars are these days. Right, that, right. Uh, people want to drive. So let, let's shift it a little bit here. So you guys have mostly been exclusive in the U.S., Right. But you've recently branched into Canada. Yes, very excited. We just had our first Canadian closing this week. So that's awesome. Very exciting. Yeah, we started in January. Are you throughout Canada or only We're certain starting in Vancouver and Toronto, and then we will expand into Calgary, Alberta. Awesome. After that. So we're just we're going slowly, but mm-hmm. we've always been able to take Canadian and global clients. We're moving to the U.S. and we've always been able to support them, but we haven't been able to go the other way around. So we're excited to now be able to support the Canadian business. Yeah, and, and that's that's awesome. And, you know, obviously that with that expansion, I mean, the, the question I want to ask is, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier and you mentioned, you know, in the early days, people didn't want to tell anyone about referral exchange. Like agents kept it quiet because they're like, yeah. you know, it was, you know, if they were getting three, four deals a year on it, I mean shoot, I mean, three, four deals in my market. Like, I don't want to tell anyone else about this. There can't be that many more deals. So I'm going to keep it quiet. You know, it's, and so you, you said it was kind of like a secret society. Yeah, to find exactly. out people were members and didn't know other people were members. But what would you attribute? You know, you guys had really explosive growth the last few years. What, what's, what's driving that? A variety of factors. So we can recruit every single agent in our network who receives referrals. So you can't just sign up and say, I want to get referrals from you. Mm -hmm. You can sign up to submit your own referral business, but you cannot get referrals from us unless you meet certain criteria and 
need agents in, in a specific market. We currently cover 100% of the U.S. We have agents everywhere. We work with over 25,000 active agents in our network. And we probably have about 100,000 agents who have not worked out mm. with our business. Managing an online lead or prospect is not something that every agent loves to do, wants to do, or is good at. So we use a variety of factors with those agents who do get referrals from us. They have to have closed a certain amount of deals. They have to specialize in a certain area. We look for agents with special skills, languages, focus on certain property types. And it really depends on the market. You know, in New York, mm-hmm. your trading radius might be one building. I mean... Where in Mon- whereas in Montana, it might be someone who's willing to drive 100 miles and that's their trading. So right. it really depends on the agents and the market. So we will hand recruit you to get referrals from us. And we try to pre-qualify the referrals before we send them out. So agents have always loved getting them. But from the sending side, and that's certainly something that most agents don't do enough of, Mm. anyone can join that. And I think you need to look at your business and do an analysis. And we have a couple of analysis, different worksheets on our website in the resources section. And we've done a whole bunch of webinars that people can watch to help you kind of assess your business and find greater referral opportunities. Most of the agents who are really successfully submitting referrals to us are not doing anything that's magic. They're just working their sphere of influence. They're asking their clients if they can help with the other side of the business. Everyone who they know knows that they're a real estate agent and they're part of a network who can help them find an agent should they have any needs. Mm -hmm. Our agent in San Antonio has friends of friends of friends who know that they can call her, even if they're not in San Antonio, and she will help them find an agent. So it's really just looking at your business and trying to figure out how you can grow it. And especially in this market, as our market is shifting and changing nowadays, Mm -hmm. those quick and easy deals are not going to be happening so much anymore. Yeah, I think... And, And you need to look to the business that you have and how you can expand from there. Definitely the speed of business is dramatically picked up and that's changed expectations of both sides. And it's, yeah, you're right. Quick and easy may be a challenge if the market shifts a little bit and buyers slow mm-hmm. and prices, you know, they're not coming down. I think everyone agrees. They're not, at least right now, they're not coming down. It's just the rate of appreciation is slowing. Yes. And that is tough for all everyone to adjust to. Mm-hmm. We've all gotten used to, you know, eight to 15% annual right. appreciation, right. which would be awesome. We'd all be millionaires in 10 years. If, if that was the case, <laughs> we'd also all be spending a lot more money on our homes too. But yeah. Talk, so how many agents are on the platform now? So we currently have about 25,000 agents who we see. And then through various incentive partnerships and through the submitting side, we probably have over a hundred thousand agents. Wow. We're actively using the service in one form or another. Yeah. And then how many deals does that work out to about per year that you're helping close? We helped connect 250,000 people together. So we had 250,000 real connections made. Now, not all of them necessarily transacted or oh. have transacted yet. Of course. You know, we find that there's like a six to nine month lag. I mean, some of the... Some of the deals will close in two weeks, as I said, and some will take a year. Yeah. It, it just kind of depends on where they are in their journey. 
Yeah, yeah, and especially if they're they've been wanting to buy, but maybe credit repair. If it's continuing on a job move that's coming up in six months, they have to fix up the property. Yep, yep. They're just not ready. We had one agent in Hawaii, and it was really fun. We gave him the referral, and he spoke with the client. She said, "I'm not ready yet." So he just put on a drip campaign. Boom. That was it. Just a drip campaign, and then eleven months later, she called him and she said, "You were the only one who kept in touch. I'm ready." Yeah, I mean, talk about automation, solving right. issues. Like, right. you know, you're you're staying present. You're not the pushy salesperson. And we talked about this, you know, email marketing really works, you know, to follow up and stay on top of people. And, you know, like you said, it's automated, but it's still delivering value. Maybe it's showing listings in their area. Right, right. Your contact information mm-hmm. is front and center. If it's once or twice a month, it's not invasive. It's not annoying. Right. And, you know, it can be informative. And that's a... That's a pretty and they were ready thing. to go. I mean, at the same time, we also had another agent who we just closed with. And he said, I'm happy to pay this referral fee. This actually turned out to be a client whose house I sold to them 10 years ago. Huh, look at that. <laughs> now, I'm so excited. We gave him back his client. But wouldn't it have been awesome if he had had them on a drip campaign once a year mm. and that client had called him first? You got to send those birthday cards. Happy house or anniversary. Something, or something. <laughs> our agent, when we bought our, our first house, um, actually our second house in the Bay Area, she had this great flyer that, and this is, again, I'm old. So this is kind of before the days of easy things to find on the computers and yell and stuff like that. But she would give, she gave a flyer of pediatricians in the area and good restaurants. And she had the flyer set up. So depending on what you were, so we had young kids. So we got the young kid version of the flyer. And every year she would send us a card with an updated version of that flyer. I mean, that flyer was on my refrigerator for probably about 10 years, Mm -hmm. just because she would just keep sending an updated version. And it was just a simple little once a year thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So seven years later, when it was time to sell and buy another home, we called her. Boom. There it is. Easy. And there she was. <laughs> so in all this back and forth, though, I mean, obviously, you guys have to make money. How does referral exchange make money? We make money primarily on the closing fee. So when a deal goes, if an agent submits a referral, then we take 10% of the referred site commission. Okay. So if it's if the agent's going to get 25%, we'll charge the receiving agent 35 and we keep 10 and we pay. So you're working the front end, though at risk because yeah i mean there are some t- transaction fees there's a setup fee to get started and okay. then there's a per lead fee to clean the leads and okay. and some maintenance but really where we make most of our money is on the back end and quite honestly that's where we want to make it we want people to close deals yeah at the end of the day that's what this business is all about is to right. get people into homes get people out of homes that don't work for them anymore this, this is a conversation i have with vendors in the space often and when you know, sometimes you'll see the pitch and it says, you know, put together really pretty graphs or, you know, have better marketing or, you know, do social media that you'd be proud of. And at the end of the day, that's all cool and fine and dandy, but none of that it doesn't always lead to a result. Right. And at the end of the day, if it's not getting to the result, you clearly haven't delivered a better experience for the consumer because that's the whole point. They're trying to buy or sell a house. And so, and if you're not getting the closings, I mean, well, why bother doing those those things? I mean, staying focused on 
results, you know, producing activities. So I think that, you know, I, I think that just shows that you guys are committed into this because obviously if the deals aren't closing, you're not staying solvent. Right. I mean, we, we do charge a monthly fee. We do charge a setup fee and we do it, but it's primarily to cover our costs yeah. of actually doing the work. Sure. But at the end of the day, what we really want to do is get to that closing is help you close deals. And, and one thing that I think agents have to understand, and I think the good agents really understand is they have to find what works for them. Mm. So we have one agent and she's in Orlando, Florida, and she is a super, I mean, her superpower is Instagram. Okay. And she has built her business and she's been able to upsize her average listing price and sales price because of her Instagram skills. Hmm. But she is laser focused on Instagram. She doesn't do Facebook. She doesn't do Snapchat. She doesn't That's do- so smart. It, it doesn't work for her. But Instagram has worked great for her. So she really focuses on that. Mm-hmm. I, I think as an agent, you really need to look at your clients. You know, once a year, we tend to call, we call it update day here. So once a year, you need to pick a day that you call update day. Maybe you do it in December when it's slow or January when it's slow. And that's the day of the year when you're going to update all your information on all your various websites because you want to have a consistent profile yep. everywhere. And that's you're, a great idea. you're going to look back on all the closings that you did or the last 10 closings. Who were they? What were they? What, what was their story? Mm-hmm. And once you figure out what their story is, then it becomes much easier to figure out what's going to work. Yeah. For you in the following year, yeah. you know, are you working with millennials? Well, you know, I'm the parent of four millennials. I parent by texting, you know, and I've learned how to use Snapchat. <laughs> Actually, not so much anymore now, more Instagram. But you have to learn how to communicate to people and focus on the things that are going to work for you and are going to work for your clients. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing your clients. So if your clients are on Instagram, great. Go at it. I, Be on I, Instagram. I know a commercial broker, Tyler Cobble from, from Nashville. We had him on the show, I think on our second season. And, you know, he runs two of the largest real estate accounts. I think it's the two largest commercial real estate accounts mm-hmm. in Nashville. He covers the architecture scene and then he covers the commercial real estate scene. And you wouldn't necessarily think even in commercial real estate that Instagram would be getting you business, yeah. but he's done a significant volume. And it's not because Instagram is magic. It's not that it's just this ATM machine where you, you put in some photos and you get deals out. And you get deals, yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. You I know? love that analogy, yeah. It, it, it took time. Right. He, had to, he built something and it started from a position of giving first. He created something of high value and he got the channel. He understands yeah. his audience and, you know, his buyers and, and clients are... You know, they're, they're at stages where they directly relate to what he's putting together right, and, right. and it does, and it gets him clients and, mm-hmm. you know, now he's running one of the, the, the most successful on the East side of national commercial brokerages. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's interesting to brand Instagram, but I, I, I kind of want to go that route someday. I want to say that I'm good at Instagram, but photo aesthetics, just it's not my thing. <laughs> it's not your thing, but you have to see what your clients want. Sure. I mean, that's the reality. You have to be where your your clients are and you have to understand yeah. what they respond to and, and what will work for them. And then you also have to find the technology that works for you that you're actually going to use. Yeah, of course. You know, I think that's also interesting. You know, people are scared of AI or algorithms or it'll all this data science and things <laughs> like that. And the reality is that all this technology is making it possible for you to do mm. what you do best, but you have to use it. 
it's still, I mean, even, even our business is not good. If you're not going to use it, if you're not going to put referrals into it, Mm -hmm. you're not getting anything out of it. So you have to think about the technology that works for you. And even with the CRMs that are out there, Mm -hmm. what are you going to respond to is what I love about, you know, I I think I would be perfect for contactually because if you don't use it enough, you get a grade. Okay. And I respond really well to that. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, contextually would be awesome. For for someone else, there'd no. be no way I'm not touching that. I would, I'm not going to use that. See, I, so, I wouldn't. I wouldn't respond to. It. I'd be like, I don't care about a yeah. D. You know, I just keep whatever I'm doing my thing. Would, right. So you have motivated. to find. Yeah. So I think that's the thing about technology. Yeah. Is that make the technology work for you and really think about what your business looks like. I mean, that's why update day is so important. Yeah. Because it's really looking at how did I get my business? Where did it come from? what do I want to do? What are my goals for next year? Are my goals for next year that I want to work 20% less? Like our agents were thinking about retiring and Mm -hmm. we don't want to drive an hour and a half anymore to service property. So, okay. We don't, we don't want to do, we want to work just these hours. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. And we only want to drive this far. So what technology and support do we need to help us achieve those goals? Right. And the awesome news is that there's tons of great technology that can help you do that, but you have to make it work for you or find someone who's really expert mm-hmm. to help you do it. I, I mean, that. there's a great commercial out there where the grandchildren are going to visit the grandparents. Okay. And I think someone saw my parents at this point and, and they bring out all their tech <laughs> to have their grandchildren fix all their tech. For them. Wasn't that like a Comcast commercial? I or think it was either a Comcast, it was something. But I love that commercial because at the same time, it's like get tech that works for you. Yeah. And hire someone to do it. To do it and, and to make it work for you. But have your end goal in mind yeah. as to what you hope and really want to accomplish. And if it's not, don't be afraid to pull the plug. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to give myself a plug here about our skills in Google and Facebook advertising, but. I mean, like you're like you're talking about, like if you're if it's not your thing, do you want do your one thing? Your J Pap is in here, right? Do your one thing, you know. And if you need those other things, get someone else to hang out for you. That's awesome. I want to shift a little bit here. You know, we're talking a little bit about money. We're talking about all this tech. We can't avoid the topic of the amount of money coming into real estate tech. Yeah. Every single week, we're seeing the amount of deals that are being struck, there's new partnerships, there's exclusivities with certain brokerages and firms and everyone's working on their tech stack. And I had a chance to visit a company two days ago. I can't say who, and I can't say what I saw. And I'm not even allowed to say of what they're <laughs> they're building, but I will say for agents, I thought was awesome and could really change how agents even think about building their business, but they've got a good amount of money coming behind them right. to go to pull this off. And, you know, they're already quietly doing quite a bit. So why do you think, though, and I want to get your opinion on this, so why do you think so much money is being poured into the real estate tech side? Because the real estate is, is the valuable asset. It's a broad consumer market. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most basic fundamental, you know, needs that every person seeks out is shelter. So why the tech? Why is so much money going into the tech side of real estate? My opinion is because real estate can also be very transactional. And there are a lot of pieces to the real estate business that can be automated. Mm. Just even 
using blockchain to track the chain of title, mm. you know, and make that whole process. Are you bullish easier. on blockchain in title? Well, I'm more bullish on blockchain now. It was interesting. I listened to a podcast on blockchain and microcurrencies and things like that. And I didn't really understand it. And now I now I kind of understand it. And maybe I don't really understand it, but I think I understand it. But I think it provides a tremendous opportunity for tracking and yeah. and just understanding, especially when you when you need that kind of that chain yep. or that snake of ownership and historical knowledge. I think blockchain could be really helpful. So I think there are a lot of pieces to the real estate process, which are very transactional, which don't necessarily need a human being to do. And what technology does from my perspective, or what good technology does is it allows the agent to be the agent and focus on those human Mm -hmm. skills Mm -hmm. that you need. We were talking, I used our service because my great uncle at the age of 97 passed away, lived an amazing life. And had a really expensive property in Boston and Beacon Hill. And my niece, who had never bought or sold the property before in her life, was handling the sale of this property. Right. Which was a tricky property to sell because it hadn't been updated. So she didn't get badgered with letters from probate hunting uh, real estate investors at all for that property. No, because it never even got that far because it sold so quickly. But we were able to find her a really good agent. Yeah. Who really understood her concerns and her need. And she's one of those people who really wants to understand things. So she Mm -hmm. asked him thousands of questions. And then she would turn around and call me and ask (laughs) thousands of questions to make sure what he was telling her was true. But she really needed the agent to use his expertise about the market and about what they should do to the house. I mean, the house was a gut job. The people who purchased it actually torn it down to the studs and are completely reconfiguring the property. But she needed him to explain to her why he was pricing it the way he was, why he wasn't pricing it at another price if that was what the comps were saying. You know, what was it about this property? But his expertise in that market made it possible for him to do a really great job for her. And because he did a great job for her, she will now recommend to anybody in the building to use that agent Mm -hmm. because he did such a great job for her. So now he has anyone else in that building who's thinking about buying or selling their property to know that this agent did a great job and helped. They, they have the systems in place to take the time to service the client, to make sure they, they can spend right. time on the client. And, and yeah. he was able to use automation and technology to, to sure. figure out what the asking price should be, whether he used box brownie to virtually stage the property. I keep hearing. It is such a cool. People love so them cool. so yeah. much. Yeah. So he, he used uh, Box Brownie to virtually stage the property so people could get an idea of what it could look like. Right. There's a lot of ways that technology can just make you better at your job. So use technology, agents need to use technology to make them more effective yep. and do the things that they love and are passionate about doing and let the technology do the stuff that they yep. don't like to do. I mean, I think most agents got into this business because they love helping people buy and sell homes. They love real estate. They love, you know, you get endorphins and energy and positive feelings when you help someone buy their first house or sell their second house or make a transaction really easy and smooth. And 
there's so much stuff to do now yeah. with the trash. When we bought our first house, I think we had to fill out like two pieces of paper. That's it? Yeah. I mean, no, now, as signed, I said, I'm signed old. books. I'm old. He's like you know, books now. But just, when we, when we yeah. bought our last house, I mean, literally, I think it was a six inch stack of paper. Yeah. That we had to sign. So. And you get 30 minutes to read it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I think technology can make it possible to kind of find that love of real estate again and love of the transaction mm. because you don't have to. There's so many tools to make it easy for you to not have to do the stuff that makes you crazy. You know, you, you talk about the endorphins. It just makes me think back to my first transaction. Like I felt like I was going to throw up for two days. I was oh, like, yeah. well, I did something wrong. Something's wrong. I know it. Like, <laughs> but the rush, you're right. I mean, and then, you know, that client, my first, my first client, you know, we're, we're friends on Facebook now. And, you know, I see all the posts of their new house that they're in mm-hmm. and the house that they sold and they're glad they got out of it. Right. And they were just posting photos, all the snowstorms. And honestly, you know, I, obviously I'm, I'm not servicing real estate uh, buyers and sellers these days. But that client, you know, we keep in touch and it's just really satisfying every time I see them post a photo at their house mm-hmm. and they're just loving where they're at because they were, you know, bumped up against a highway and now they're in the county and they're right, in the retirement right. stage and they're just so glad that I cold called them and said, would mm-hmm. you like to know what your house may be worth? You know, and so it is, it's a really great feeling. And so I, lo- I love your approach on that. We're going to shift here. We're going to move into the, the two segments, the bottom of the show. This one's my favorite because we get to put you in the hot seat a little okay. bit. We're going to play a game called For the Future. So For the Future is a segment where I get to ask you four questions okay. and have you give your best predictions. Okay. Ready to play? Yes, I'm ready to play. All right. First one's easy. Number one, what does referral exchange look like one year from now? We're going to have even more cool and fun tools to help you manage that fire flows of your third-party leads. All right. And have more fun with your real estate transactions. More fun. (laughs) All right. Question number two, what will the housing market look like one year from now? I believe we're in a period of settling. I don't think the housing market's going to tank. I don't think they're predicting doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. But I think those sort of easy days of house being on the MLS for an hour or not even making it to the MLS. Or, hey, don't worry about putting a sign in the yard. It's going to be gone. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm not sure those days will still be around. I think in certain markets it might. Yeah. Just depends on the inventory, but interest rates have gone up mm-hmm. and we there's more up. inventory. I just think we're settling. We say gone up, but we're still sub 5%. Yeah. And historically. I mean, my, my first house began... I think we had a, a 10% interest rate for our first house, for our $147,000 house in Southern California when we bought it. Right. But so I'm less than sympathetic to people who complain about their 3% interest rates. But I think we're just going to see a settling in the okay. market. Yeah. We're not going to see it tank. People still need to buy and sell homes. But you're not going to see the craziness that we've seen in the last few years. Well, that's a perfect transition into question number three, which is when will the next big boom or bust happen in real estate? I would hope never. Oh, okay. Not even for the boom. Do tell. Well, I would hope that we've learned some of our lessons from the past Mm. and people are smarter about the transactions that they're doing. And I, I want to hope that it's going to stay 
a little bit more even, mainly because I have four children who are all getting into the point where they're going to buy or sell a home at some point. And, and they'll be coming to you for that one-time tax-free gift? Yes. <laughs> and I would love for them to be able to buy a home. First. It's a lot harder to buy a home nowadays. Sure is. Than when we bought our home 30 Don't they just want to all move ago. in together, buy a fourplex and call it good? <laughs> well, you know, they say that multifamily, multi-generational properties are the new hot thing in a lot of markets. Yep. The, that is common with some Canadian families up in the Northwest. You you find that happening. Yep. Yeah. And it's becoming more popular in the US. It's very too. popular around the world. Yeah. And that's what's different about the US from around the world. Right. And so as we continue to be a country of immigrants, you're going to be faced with that of people expect to be able to go by. Yeah. I think they're going to be, I would be hopeful that there's not a boom or bust, but I think we're going to start seeing in the next few years are different ways Mm. to buy and sell homes. Yeah. Buying a property completely furnished might become a thing. I would love that. As a bachelor, I always lived in a fully furnished house. Instead of, (laughs) you know, buying a home and having to furnish it, buying a home that's completely turnkey mm. that you just move in with your suitcase. Deal. I think might become popular. Sign me up. I think different ways to purchase properties where you have um, crowdsource or everybody buys a partial or a micro interest. Fractional ownership. Fractional ownership. Yeah, that's the, the official term. So I think we're going to start seeing creative and new and different ways for people to get into properties and have ownership. That that idea of having to save up a 20% down payment, yeah. I think is going to be different. Interesting. Move on to question four here. And what's one thing you believe would dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? I think what I just answered before, the fractional ownership and the traditional way of of buying or or selling a home. And I also think being able to do things more online and and mobile. So less of the traditional traditional model and less of the paper and slow transaction. Right, right. Just speed and the connections. When I had my first job for mortgage marketing, I had to do an exercise. I had to answer questions. Actually, no, I think it was my second job. It was my second mortgage marketing job. I had to like do a little test. Uh And one of the questions was, you know, when you think it's going to change in the mortgage industry in the future. And I said, someday you'll be able to go to a house and your mobile phone, you'll be able to transfer your down payment and do everything on your phone. And uh, the person who's hiring me laughed at me. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, it's here. It's here. It's here. So I think just simplifying and and automating the things that can be automated is what we're going to continue to see change. Very cool. We're going to move on to the last three. Uh, These are questions more about you, Lisa. And so our listeners get to learn a little bit more about you directly. First, what are you reading? I am reading Beginning by Michelle Obama. Oh, tell them. Which is awesome. It's a big book. Her biography. Oh, it's awesome. It's fabulous. Yeah. And what's really cool is that you realize how brilliant the two of them really are. Mm. I mean, how incredibly brilliant they both are. Yep. I mean, I always thought they were brilliant when he was in office, but... They didn't really just slack off and... You right, know. you really see their, their history and where they come from, and you realize right. that these people are incredibly brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Question number two, who are you learning from? I'm learning from the millennials around me. I'm working, I'm actually working on, a, on an article about, why, about how millennials are getting a bad rap. Because mm. I'm not a millennial. 
I have one foot in the door of baby boomer and I'm one foot Gen X. It just mm-hmm. kind of depends on which article you read says mm-hmm. what I am. And so, so I'm either Gen X or, or a baby boomer, but I've learned so much by being surrounded by millennials and, and Gen Xers. We're a pretty young company mm-hmm. and it's every day. I think they force me to challenge my assumptions and how something has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, I love Embrace and I, I will, I will accept some of the stereotypes about millennials and that, yeah, I believe I can be anything I want. It's not because that's what I was told growing up on all my cartoons and books and things that they said, believe in yourself, you can be whatever you want. But at the same time, yeah, pushing back and challenging, but that's what drives innovation. That's what drives change is saying, hey, do we have to do things this way? So we really live in a time, and you asked me about the big technological changes and things like that. I think there has never been a better time to be able to do something yourself. Yeah. When I went to work for my first tech company, I was looking for an online survey program. And so I looked around, there were a couple out there and I went to our head engineer and I said, can you analyze these and let me know which one I should use? And he came back the next day and I said, okay, which one should I use? And he said, well, I didn't like any of them. So I just built one. (laughs) So then I had to go back to these companies and say, okay, by the way, I'm just going to use my own because my head engineer just built something for me. But it was the first time I ever realized that it wasn't a matter of time of could something be done, but when it was done. And I think what's so interesting about the time that we live in now, it's not that it's easy for someone to start their own company, but it's really possible for someone to start their own company and and do it themselves and get funding. You don't need all the hard-coded individual actual paper and tools that we used to need. You can do it online and there's technology that that makes it easier. So I think what millennials understand, which us Gen Xers and baby boomers don't, (laughs) is that if you want to do it, you should just do it and figure out that you can do it. I'll figure out who to apologize to or ask for forgiveness after the fact. Right. We just got to... But you can. Why not? You can just go ahead and start your own company or hold a fundraiser or do something like that. Whereas... The Gen Xers and, and baby movers would say, well, you have to have this and you have to have this and you have to have this, but you don't really have to have that as much anymore because the cost of entry is so much lower I, than it used to be. I got reminded this morning of, you know, Facebook does those timeline reminders mm-hmm. and it was me announcing that Red Bull was going to be on campus. And the short story of it is I had gotten a contact at Red Bull and I had told them, yeah, come on campus. You can park your car in the commons area and give out Red Bull and then right. come to my class and do a report with me. And when my marketing professor found out that I had given them permission, she was like, well, you haven't talked to maintenance. You haven't scheduled this. I was like, pump the brakes. Red Bull's coming to campus. Why would you say no? Yeah. Like we're bringing them on. I will remove the poles enabling them to drive on campus if I have right, to. Right, right. You know, so I get it. That's, that's great. Let's get to the final one here. What inspires you or how do you stay inspired? I think just learning and seeing how this industry has changed. And and actually, no, what really inspires me are the agents we work with. I mean, Mm -hmm. being an agent is really hard. True. Reality TV sometimes can make it look easy. That they're just driving their convertible, show up, show a home, and sign a contract. And I'm not sure that you really get the true perspective of how hard 
those agents really work 24 seven hour, 24 seven, every uh-huh. single hour of the day. Have you read Ryan Serhant's book? I haven't yet. That's my next book when I'm done with Michelle Obama. Book. It's phenomenal storytelling, but man, does he illustrate just how ridiculously hard it is yeah. to get started, especially. Yeah. And, and for the agents who are on their own, mm-hmm. really a huge portion of the day and have to make a success of themselves and, you know, how through those tough transactions, deal with those difficult clients, take those, you know, phone calls where we had a situation where one of our agents called frantically because their clients were getting on a plane. They were in Chicago, the clients were moving back to the East Coast and they had seen a house they wanted. So they called their agent. They said, oh, we've got, there's a house we want to see where we're moving to. Can you find an agent for us? And, you know, we'll be there in four hours. Can you just have somebody meet us at the airport and take us? So they hung up the phone and they called us and we found an agent to meet them at the airport and take them to show them homes. That is So we made it much easier. We made them the hero, but it is, it's hard to just be doing the work and pounding the pavement every day. And in the ideal scenario, if that was the only thing you had to do that day, that's fine. That's fine. But, but the truth is you have an inspection response. You're waiting for someone to yeah. show up and you're at the house. You know, you had a client that was also closed that day and mm-hmm. something happened with the lender and you, you don't have info and your client's calling you. I mean, right. That's what's really happening in between here. So I see where you guys fit in. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. It enables yeah. the agent to stay being the agent. Right. So I would say that they probably are the ones who inspire me. Very cool. Lisa, this has been great. I think that what you guys are doing is pretty cool. And before we sign off the show, I want to give you the opportunity if people want to connect with you or they want to learn more about Referral Exchange, where do they go and how do they do that? Well, they can either email me and I have a very hard email address. It's just lisa at referralexchange.com. The benefit of being employee number 31, I think. I get a first name email. Also, Lisa's not super popular nowadays. <laughs> or they can just go to our website and just sign up for more information and we'll give you a call and get you started. It's Which really easy. Referral Referral exchange.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We'll definitely link up Thanks next time I'm back in town. Yeah, come up to Seattle. I think I think there's a few conferences up that way this year. I think NARS is going to be up that way this year. NARS in San Francisco, so you're going to have to come down to us. Okay, well, there's that. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll link up again and we'll check in and see how things are going. And congrats on the move into Canada. hope that continues going well. Thanks so much. Take care. All right, see you. Thanks. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, where you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.